Welcome to Purpose Without Limits, the show which strives weekly to empower you to reach your true potential, to help you understand how a simple shift in thinking can make success a reality both professionally and personally. You'll learn about business etiquette intelligence and why a first impression is so crucial and the real rules of the game to help you outclass your competition. Your host, Dallas Teague Snyder, is founder of Make Your Best Impression, author of the book Professionally Polished, Business Etiquette Savvy for Today's Competitive Market, and co-author of Executive Etiquette Power. For more, visit MakeYourBestImpression.com. The time to become your best self is today. Here's Dallas Teague Snyder. Hey everybody, it's Dallas and it's time time once again for another fantastic, encouraging and enlightening program. Uh, As you guys know here with Purpose Without Limits, we want to help you be your best self every day. And in doing that, you know, it's important that we have an opportunity to learn from others because, my goodness, if we had more than one life, you know, it would be very challenging. But the lives of others and the things they've been through, what they've learned along the way, and their willingness to share that with us is such a gift. And so you spending your time with us here, taking a moment to invest in yourself is the first thing you've done to say yes to yourself and to your future. So with that being said, I want to welcome to our show, Stuart Taylor. He is the author of How to Ace a Job Interview. And for those of you who've been following me, you know that I am known as America's Business Etiquette Coach, and that covers many of those things. But, you know, specifically about the interview, it was important to me to bring Stuart on so he can talk about his experience with top performers where he resides as president and also his experience from a platform of the interview specifically because really when you go into the interview that's just one phase of that and then of course we know that when we look at business etiquette and business etiquette intelligence it's really about reading things beyond the questions and I'm sure Stuart will be able to tell us from his perspective a little bit about that as well so Stuart welcome to the show. Thank you so much Dallas it's great to be on. Well I really appreciate it how are things in Maryland today? Things in Maryland are sunny, warm, and absolutely beautiful for a almost November day. I know. Can you believe it? 2013 is almost over. I, I cannot believe it. This year has gone by so quickly, especially with all the running around and promotions and talking about the book and trying to get people uh, aware of, of what, what's out there. You know, it's interesting that you said that, Stuart. I think people, there's really this, uh, you know, we feel like there's a lack of jobs and really getting that job today, the process of doing that is much different than it used to be. And I think that people just somewhat, they just don't know how to move forward. Would you say that that is a, sort of a cultural challenge we have today? I, I would agree. I think it can be very overwhelming, particularly in this environment, you know, where obviously there, there are fewer jobs. Uh, there are jobs, and uh, there are jobs for the taking. Uh, so it's, it's not to say they don't exist, but uh, there are fewer than they were before. And I think the anxiety level is much higher, especially with a lot of people that have been working for years that get laid off, and all of a sudden they're in a situation where, what do I do? I'm not even familiar with this market. Um, students graduating today are graduating into a vastly different environment than students that graduated 10 years ago where they all got wonderfully high-paying jobs fairly easily. 
Right, exactly. And I think, too, a lot of times they've spent so much time in school. What I've found is that you have students that go specifically from high school to college. Perhaps they haven't worked at all, so they really don't have that work experience. And so it even makes it more challenging for them as opposed to someone else in the marketplace that has previous job experience. Well, I want to touch on that because I think a lot of people, I do a lot of talks at school to talk about my book, How to Ace a Job Interview, and and I've done talks at prisons. I've done talks with back-to-work programs. I've done talks with professional organizations. Uh, and I've done talks with the military. And in particular, uh, students that are graduating and returning military um, feel that they're at a disadvantage because they're coming into a very competitive workplace where they say, well, what experience do I have? Right. And I, I want to encourage all of those people because the reality is, you know, you and I were talking just prior to the programs about God's gifts, and, and, and everyone has uh, in them uh, gifts and skills and talents. And each each of us have our own separate set of gifts, and each of us have our own separate set of experiences. And if we understand that out there somewhere, someone needs the very gifts and experiences that we have, and really believe that, that's step one, to say, I have value. And I have an exercise that I have everyone go through, and it's one of the most invaluable things someone can do in preparation for an interview or for life because it allows you to see who you are and recognize your own value, whether you just got out of school, whether you just kind of came back from you know overseas, or whoever you are. And I call it the greatest strengths exercise or the greatest strengths worksheet. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it has each person list their top five and top ten greatest strengths, meaning what's great about me, what makes me great. And it could be leadership, it could be some artistic ability, it could be um, communication, it could be uh, technical experience, etc. And to list at least your top five and top ten, you can do this, you can list a hundred if you want. And then next to that list, for each strength or skill or value that you've listed, is to note two to three specific supportive examples that support that, to prove that you have that. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. That exercise that exercise by itself will allow you, if you do 10, you will now have 30 supportive examples of who you are that not only can you share on an interview, which helps alleviate interview anxiety, but you can just look at it for yourself and say, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize I was bringing all this to the table. And students, you know, they've been in school. They've, they've had multiple classes. They've maybe worked on different projects. Military have, have done so much leadership, uh, multitasking, uh, tenacity, ability to follow direction. There are so many skills that each of us have that we just have to look at and recognize. You know, Stuart, it's interesting that you said the word value, because I believe that's where we're really hurting in our nation. Um, You know, with the recession, with all the changes, the things that we can't control, oftentimes we define our value by what other people say. And it seems like this exercise is truly getting to that point, allowing us to realize, again, what you said, what are the skills that we have? What are we bringing to the table? And not, not from a place of ego, but from a place of confidence to be able to go in there and truly be our best self. That's exactly it. And, and if, if what you've done is phenomenal, and you, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to say X, Y, Z about myself because I feel like it's bragging on an interview, for example. And my response to that is, you're not bragging when you're simply describing an outstanding achievement that you've had. 
you're you're stating the facts, which is something that you have to do on an interview um, in order to position yourself as the best qualified candidate. Um, and and I agree with you, you know, but, but a lot of people don't even recognize what their own values are, and that's what the beauty of this exercise is, is you can spend five minutes doing it, and you will see yourself in an entirely different light for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just a, oh, I'll do this exercise for the interview. It's a, wow, I'm an extremely valuable person. Look at all the, the strengths, skills, qualities that I bring to the table. You know, and that's applicable in so many areas of life, you know, oftentimes, and let me just, this is kind of a funny antidote, but, you know, uh, you know, we as women, I don't know if men do this, but we'll go and we'll try something on, and instead of saying, hey, this this particular outfit does not... Um, does not uh, fit me, we'll, we'll, we'll start to, you know, uh, have, uh, say ugly things about our own bodies, you know, not, not that this clothes, you know, this doesn't fit me. And we have to think about that as a job as even from a job as well, if it's not a good fit, um, you know, it could be that it's not particular a good fit for you personally, or it's not the right path for you professionally. It's not always about, um, there could be extenuating circumstances that we have no control over. But when we really, like you said, we go in there and we have those. It, someone told me one time, you know, and, and I, it's, growing up in the South, of course, you, you know, you don't do that. <laughs> and uh, being the go-getter that I am, I was a director of sales and marketing at a 300-room hotel when I was 25 and had eight people that worked for me, you know. Um mm. But with that being said, um, you know, it's very easy to, you know, try to say, oh, well, if, if I talk about my achievements or some, somehow they're highlighted, uh, then, again, I'm being self-promoting and that's a bad thing. Well, it's not. If you can't be confident and present your information in a place, again, it has to be factual, but doing it, do it in a way that shows facts and results, that's not being, um, that's not being egotistical. It's not being... Um, again, showy, but it's actually believing in yourself. Yeah, it's believing in yourself, and then and then being comfortable enough to articulate that to somebody else. And, and you know, just for example, if if Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day were interviewing for a position and a strength position or a bodybuilding position, and they say, "Well, tell me about yourself," and he says, "Well, you know, I'm pretty strong," and that's it. Like yeah. he, instead of saying, "You know, I'm the international world champion" or whatever he he earned. And just said, well, well, then he would be passed up by somebody that was able to articulate what they did specifically, even though Arnold may have been the best person. And so it, it is your duty, really, both for yourself and, and the employer, when you're speaking with them, to make sure that they see your highlights and see your value. Because if you don't, they may make a decision based on the limited amount of information that you share that's not good for them or for you. Exactly. And, you know, it's something that I think one of the things many people do is they go in for an interview, they think, uh, and, and they're not prepared. How, what would you say would be, um, you know, we, we, that we're missing the boat on when we go for that interview, you know, the average person, you know, as far as preparation? Um, interestingly enough, it's exactly what we're talking about, that the number one thing that, uh, and that people don't do is... They don't do enough homework on the company, first of all. So quite often they'll just show up and they haven't done research on what's this job actually require, what are the strengths and, and skill sets required for this particular position, and what do I know about the company? Because quite often, a, a very quickly after you sat down with the interviewer, the interviewer will ask you, so tell me what you know about our company. If you don't know anything or you know very, very limited information, 
you've just conveyed to that interviewer, by the way, you aren't important enough for me to spend five minutes before this interview to go online and research you. So you set yourself up at a gross disadvantage, which is almost impossible to recover from because it's kind of a slap in the interviewer's face. So by taking time to research the company, the industry, the environment, the specific job description, that's one thing because then you can develop questions based on what you've learned and you can ask those questions on the interview, which even if the interviewer doesn't ask you, you know, what do you know about our company, based on the fact that you're asking the questions, it shows the interviewer that, hey, this person must have done the homework because they couldn't have asked me this question if they had. But the other thing is once you know what the requirements are, is doing the homework on yourself, which is what we talked about earlier. And when you do your greatest strengths, you should, for each job, align those so they line up with the requirements of the job or the specifics of that particular uh, company so that you can say line for line, okay, your job requires leadership. Uh, I'm, I'm a proven leader. For example, I've been appointed person in charge at all of my group meetings because of my ability to lead groups. So you, you give a supportive example and you link yourself very, very personally to that job and those requirements of the job. Um, that's where most people fall short. They, they don't have the supportive answers because if, if I'm an interviewer interviewing you, you're telling me pretty much the same thing everyone else is telling me. I'll be great for this job. I can do this. I can do that. Or I'm a leader. I, as an employer, believe the person that provides me proof provides me supportive examples to, to reassure me that you say you're a leader, but if you don't give me a supportive example that's a good one, I'm not going to believe you. And if you haven't taken time prior to an interview to think of those examples, quite often you're going to draw a blank right when you really need it on the air. Well, that's so true because we, if we haven't prepared, then we don't know what to say. And if we have prepared, then it can roll off our tongue in a very confident yet uh, very, um, you know, um, non-abrasive way and right, right, uh, right. yeah it's, it's amazing what a little preparation will do and I, I tell people if, if you got a call right now and you had an interview in 10 minutes do this exercise write out your top strengths write out the supportive examples and write out how you will use those strengths at this particular job so there are really three columns to it greatest strengths support proofs and, and then how I will apply it at, at this job based on whatever that job requirement is Right. And really, it's uh, like you say, it's a slap in the face to the company. And really, it just it's, it's that business etiquette behind. It's what are, what are they thinking? What is your action or inaction telling them about your interest in the company? Um, I know I was doing some coaching with a young man, and um, basically what uh, someone had told his parents was that he just seemed uninterested. And but if you ask him, he was very interested. But yet he he pretty much follow what you're saying. Did not ask questions. Just really wasn't really engaged in the interview. And I think it's so important not to lead the interview, but also but but be able to respond um, with those questions and be able to ask those questions um, so you can present your facts, so you can present your case when the time is right. It's very much a timing issue. Um, yes. What do you, from a standpoint of, I always love that question, well, what is your greatest weakness? Um, and, and how would you tell someone to handle that? Okay, I, I am a, a firm believer that you never, never put out any dirt on yourself during an interview. And, and I say half-jokingly, if someone 
the interviewer grabbed you by your feet, held you over the balcony, and said, I'm going to drop you if you don't tell me something bad about yourself. Still, <laughs> don't put anything bad about yourself because that's what people focus on. It's human nature. Once you put a little speck in the ointment, they focus on the speck. And, and that, it's just human nature. And the reason why presidents, when they're running for office, you'll never hear them say anything negative about themselves because as soon as they put that little thing out there, they mm-hmm. said one little thing. That's what the press is going to run with. That's what the people are going to remember. And they're not going to win. And so it's the same philosophy on an interview. Now, the trick is you have to answer all the interviewer's questions. <laughs> and the other trick is you've got to, oh, it's not really a trick, but you've got to be positive. You, you've got to be positive with everything. So here an interviewer is asking you to tell on yourself. Tell me something that's wrong with you. Really, tell me something's wrong with you so I can focus on it so I can disqualify you easily is what they're really saying. Exactly. Help me with <laughs> and, my job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Help, help me. Yeah. Make this easy for me. You right. Know, just, just tell me you can't do this job. Yeah, please. And, yeah. And so um, the way to respond to that, and, and it's amazing how much goes back to this greatest strengths worksheet exercise that I have in my, my book. Um, if you take one of your top strengths that you are passionately obsessive about, meaning I can't stop doing this if I wanted to. Let's say it's customer service. I can't stop taking care of my customers even if I want to. Well, that's a weakness. It's, it's, I, I can't turn this off. My weakness is if, if I had if it was 5 o'clock in the evening and the day was over but I had to take care of my top customer's needs, I couldn't go home with a clear conscience and have dinner or go out to the movies because I would feel guilty. I, 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 my customers are my weakness. And you are now you're answering the question, you're answering it truthfully, and you're answering it in a way that the employer says, ah, that's a weakness I can benefit from. Absolutely. That's not a weakness that's going to hurt me or hurt mm-hmm. you in the position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like if a parent, if you had a parent that said, hey, my, my kids are my weakness, there's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. Who, who wouldn't want a parent like that? You know, so when you're sharing a weakness, and I can give another example, is, you know, for me personally, paperwork is a weakness. And now, if I just left it like that, you're going to think, ooh, this person's not going to get their paperwork done. There's all sorts of problems. But if I explain my weakness is paperwork, I, I can't stand paperwork. I hate it so much that I've, I've worked really hard over the years to develop a system where I can prioritize everything, A, B, C, so I can get my A's and B's out of the way and get it out of the way quickly because I can't stand looking at it. I, I absolutely can't stand it. Well, I've just told an employer that my weakness is going to make me a more efficient employee. Right. Them. And that's the way you answer that question. And, and if it's not a positive answer at the end, then it's the wrong way to respond. Well, and it's so great because you are saying that, you know, here here is a weakness, but this is how I address it. So therefore, it is not a weakness. And they say, because they know that everyone has a weakness and they know that there is going to be an area where someone will fall short. I mean, that's just human nature. But yet, have you have you worked it out within yourself to figure out how to be most efficient and effective? And is it going to affect me and my company? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I give an example when I do my seminars. Uh, just responding to in regards to this question. And I say, if you were looking at buying two identical cars that were the exact same color, exact same price, everything is identical, and the price is non-negotiable, and one of the cars had a little tiny scratch on it, 100% of people would buy the car without the scratch. Mm-hmm. 100%. Even though it's a car, the scratch has nothing to do with how well it drives. When you're sitting inside, you're not going to see it, but you're going to think about it, and you're going to focus on it. You know, 2,000-pound vehicle, you're thinking about a little tiny hairline scratch. 
And that is human nature, and that's why you don't put something out about yourself that's negative, because it doesn't matter how small it is, that's what the person is going to think about. And, and if you understand that dynamic, you would be very careful not to put dirt out on yourself, because it disrupts everything positive that you're saying. Now, Stuart, do you work with people? Let's say that they've got a job interview coming up and, you know, this topic about the witness, they're sort of stuck. They don't know how to turn that into a positive. I mean, is this something that you offer? Do you work one-on-one with I people? Do. or I do. I offer interview coaching, uh, inter- individual interview coaching. I do uh, group seminars and workshops, uh, teleconference interview coaching, face-to-face interview coaching. All of it is effective. And what I, I like to do is I I take someone's prior experience if they've been on interviews. I will ask certain questions to find out, and it works really well, actually, to find out what went well and what didn't go well, even if the candidate's not aware. Mm-hmm. By asking certain questions about you know, how did the interview end, what did they say, what did you say, what was the dynamic, or, you know, I can put, the beat, put together the pieces of what they're doing well and what they're not doing well so that on the next interview, or even if they had an interview that went well and they got called back for a second interview, here's how you prepare, here's what's likely to come up on that second interview based on what happened in the first interview. And it's extremely accurate and it's extremely helpful. And the people that I work with, uh, I coached a, a young lady a little bit ago and we spent about an hour talking and her number one concern was interview anxiety, which a lot of people have. And very presentable young lady, but she just said, I, I choke up, I freeze up when I get on interviews. And we spent uh, an hour talking. I walked her through some pointers that were specific for her situation. She had an interview the next day. She calls me back. She said, Stuart, I had no interview anxiety. She said, and I, thanks to what you shared, I was able to answer all the questions that the interviewer asked me. And she called me the follow-up day, the following day, and she said, Stuart, they just called me and they offered me the job. And she said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, um, so it really worked. Well, yeah, really absolutely. Effective. And it's that part of that preparation and really having someone like yourself, Stuart, to be um, to kind of be that guide to say, hey, these are some these are some things to be aware of. These are some um, here's some tools in your toolkit. I've always said that, you know, you it's it's knowing that you have the tools, having that understanding. So when you need them, you can bring them forth. You know, it's absolutely it's, you know, when absolutely. We're, we're not aware we and get. That, yeah. That's what the, the book, my book, How to Ace a Job Interview, offers that. It, it, it gives a lot of the tools. I mean, it's not customized for your exact situation because of, you know, that's where I like to do what I'm doing one-on-one. But it's, it's highly customized, and anyone that's going on an interview will walk away with, ah, I understand what I need to do. So if someone needs additional specifics on, well, how did I deal with that last interview and how do I follow up on my next interview, that's where I can supplement that with, with coaching. But um, yeah, it's 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 understanding the dynamics, the tools, you know, the, the greatest strengths information that we talked about. Oh, I see how all these pieces come together. It's very well, helpful. Well, I, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead Stuart. Oh, I was going to say, I also do uh, coaching for companies because the interesting side of interviewing is not all companies know how to interview. Well, that's and, true, yeah. Yeah, so, so they need training on what to do and what questions to ask so that they bring the right people into their company. Now, with that said, interestingly enough, um, if a candidate is interviewing with an interviewer that doesn't really know how to write, ask the right questions, it is the candidate's responsibility to make sure that they've still shared the key elements of themselves for that interviewer to make a decision. So a good interviewer is going to get through all the questions that they need to determine whether you're a great fit. A bad interviewer may get through two questions out of 10 or two out of 20. So they don't have a full picture of you, and if you don't fill in that, those gaps and just leave, 
then they're going to make a decision based on inadequate information, which may not be in your favor. Well, so that's, that's true. That's why preparation is so important. Absolutely, because it's not that they're trying to do you a disservice. Maybe they're not really qualified in that position. Someone just told them to do the initial interviews and if, to determine who they like, to send up for them to look at. We just we really don't know the dynamics in the company, what's happening in that first interview. What would you say, Stuart, about that um, – you know, that second interview, usually when there's a pretty significant job, there's going to be an initial interview phase. But what would you say to someone to really help them make sure they get to that second interview? Well, when you, when you are wrapping up the first interview, one of the things, or any interview, that is so critically important is how you close that interview. So you can have a great interview. And I, I actually, in my book, I compare interviewing to dating. I love Very, that. It's true. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so similar. And if you, if you grasp those concepts, you will understand how to navigate through questions, how to navigate through interviews, what to do for follow-up. You'll totally get it because it's the same thing you would expect from someone on a date. So uh, on a date, you know, let's just say you met somebody that morning and you spent the day with them and you had an absolutely incredible time. And the day is now over. Now, you don't really have any additional information on this person. You just met them. You just know, wow, this was a connection. This was great. If that date just walked away from you, said, okay, see ya, walked into oblivion, you would sit there with a question mark in your head, and your heart would drop. Like, what just happened? I I thought we had a great time, and they just left. What you would expect or what you would want is the person to say, as they would you, you know, I had an incredible time today. Uh, This was really tremendous. Uh, where do we go from here? What's the next step? Can I get your number? Can I get your email? Can I follow up with you? Mm-hmm. I definitely want to see you again. So you express interest in the next step. That's critical. But prior to that, it's very important. And just imagine, again, the date is a little more intense, meaning I'm dating with the intention of getting married to this person. All so right. at the end of that date, you're, you've talked about a lot of things. You've talked about marriage. You've talked about a potential future together. And if the person, firstly, if the person, if you ask the person, do you have any additional questions about me or our future, and they say no, mind you, you spent a day, you're looking at an entire future. If they don't have any questions at the end of that day or date, you'd be left with the thought of, they must not really recognize how serious this is if they don't have any more questions about marriage. We've only spent a day. Now imagine in the interview, you spend a half an hour or an hour. And they, at the end of the interview, say, do you have any additional questions? If you don't, you come up empty, you're pretty much conveying to them, I, I'm not really that interested. Right, you know, yeah, yeah. I'll call you. Don't call really me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then there's one other thing is prior to, uh, prior to closing an interview, it is very important, and this has saved more interviews than I could possibly explain, to confirm with the interviewer that you've addressed all of their questions or concern about you. You, know, you can simply ask, do you have any additional questions about me, my background, my interest, my enthusiasm, my fit with the company? Any questions at all. The beauty of that question is it gives the interviewer an opportunity to share with you what they're thinking. And if they say no, they don't have any additional questions, great. That's a green light to close them and go forward and tell them you want to take the next step. But if they have a question, you've, you've fished it out. They will share it. I've actually never heard of an interviewer that didn't express their question or concern. Yeah, because they're thinking uh, uh, while you're sharing, they've got questions running in their mind. They haven't been able to articulate them yet. 
And so that really gives them that opportunity to express that and not leave with any, well, I wonder if they're a good fit or not. Right. And, and exactly, exactly. And it gives you the chance to fill in the answer because you don't want the interviewer to fill in an answer on their, on their own. You, you want to spoon feed them the answers that you want them to have. So if I'm an interviewer and I'm talking to you and I have 10 questions, but I got eight of them answered and you go away, I'm forced to think, well, I, don't, I didn't get to ask her about her ability to or tenacity. Maybe she's not that tenacious. <laughs> well, and you, sir, you're not there to give me any supportive example, so I've just drawn a conclusion about you that may be completely inaccurate, but it could affect my decision to move you forward. So you want to clear out all those questions and confirm that you've addressed their questions and then ask them for the next step. Well, I think that's that's great advice. And I guess, the you know, I'm very interested to see what you say about this um, aspect of follow-up because I believe that is truly where people miss opportunities in sales, miss opportunities for uh, partnerships, interviews, just so many things on the table. And we could take that back to dating as well. But, um, oh, yeah. yeah, but as far as the follow-up, what do you recommend that people do? Okay, the interview isn't over until you get a offer. Or you get a, a Dear John letter, sorry, we've moved on with other candidates. And, and you have to understand that. So how you answer the phone, your, your follow-up, your continued presence, quote-unquote, um, is essential to their feeling that you are still viable and interested. So just like a date, if you have a wonderful date and it ends, even if you get all the contact information, got your phone number, but you never call them, well, it, it all is in vain. You've expressed that I really wasn't that interested, even if you are. But the, the, the lack of follow-up would suggest I'm not interested. So what everyone should do following an interview is they should absolutely put together a thank-you note that just encapsulates their gratitude. It may say something specific about something that was referenced or came up in the interview. Um, but just a short and sweet a paragraph or a couple of paragraphs or just a couple of sentences to say, I'm very interested. Thank you again for taking the time to meet with me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that also shouldn't just go out randomly, meaning if I have an interview today, if I send my thank you out next week, right. that's a nice gesture, mm -hmm. and I'm sure the hiring person would appreciate it, but it doesn't really serve your full purpose, and the reason it doesn't, if I'm an interviewer, I may be making a decision today, at the end of today, so I may meet five or six or ten candidates, and at the end of today, I'm going to make a decision on which of those candidates I'm going to move forward. So if I get your thank you note a week later, it has no impact in my decision. So if you're going to write a thank you note, which you should, it might as well have the maximum impact. So my recommendation is, literally, as soon as you get out of the interview, find a business center, type up a short and sweet thank you letter, make sure it's professionally formatted, business format, um, no typos, no grammatical errors, and print it out. And either, if, if they're interviewing, for example, at a hotel or there's a lobby of the company, where bring it back to an, an intermediary person give it to them and ask them to deliver it to that person. If that's not possible, the other way to do it is simply send it as an attachment to that person via email as a thank you. And I recommend getting the thank you out within the hour, if you can do it, and certainly by the end of the day. And again, it's because that will make a difference. And I've actually literally had many managers tell me where I've sent candidates. Had a great interview with this candidate. Matter of fact, I already got a thank you. So it's something that... Imagine you're neck and neck with somebody else. Mm -hmm. You send the thank you and they don't. Guess, guess who gets called back? You do. And it doesn't have to be something big. And that's the thing. It's, you know, people lose interviews on something tiny. It's usually something very small. It's not that they couldn't do the job. So things like that are, are critical. 
Well, it's interesting that you say that, and I love that, especially if it's an interview like in a hotel, that sort of situation. Um, but I say, you know, keep a roll of stamps in your car, you know, get yourself, um, you know, go to Office Depot, get yourself some mm-hmm. handwritten, you know, uh, um, some note cards, you know, two, three sentences, you know, thank you for your time. You know, I, you know, you yeah. know, it's amazing. People forget that. And it, it really, it stands out. And when people say, well, can I send an email? And it said, yes, you can send an email. And if other people are going to do something, what do you think they will do? Send an email. Mm-hmm. How do you stand out? How do you become different? So I love your advice on that. Yeah, it, it really makes a difference. It's, most people don't send thank yous at all. That's right. So just writing it is, you know, and then you're right. The next most would send an email just in the body of the email. Um, so if you're sending an email, my recommendation is send it as a, a, an attachment. Make it a letter. Make it show that you took some time to do this. And, and it doesn't have to be a lot of time, but if that is a professional representation of you and you always want to do everything in the most professional manner as possible, no matter what job you're applying. Absolutely. Well, my goodness, Stuart, I am I am excited uh, for our guests that are listening. It's been a fantastic conversation. And of course, if they want to find out more information about you and to get your book or possibly talk with you about doing some one-on-one coaching, where can they reach you? Sure. Um, they can reach me at, uh, my website is topperformers.com, topperformers.com. People can email me at info at topperformers.com. And I also have a Twitter uh, handle, which is getthejob123, getthejob123, where I post uh, just updates, interview tips, uh, just information that's very helpful to any job seeker that uh, just needs to get a few refresher points. It's, It's a great reference. Well, Stuart, I just appreciate your passion, and you know, I have to ask you, what's your, what is your why to to focus on this? Because you know, you're very passionate about this, and of course, I am too. Because I feel like so many people, um, you know, they just they they just need the tools to be successful, and we're not, you know, we're just not aware sometimes. But what is it? What is your why? What makes you do what you do? I, I really love helping people. I love making a difference, and I, I really love knowing that something that I've shared has impacted someone's life so powerfully. I mean, one of the most rewarding things for me is when I'm working with a candidate, whether I'm coaching them or recruiting for, recruiting them, and we're talking, and their response is, that's, Stuart, that's, that's the greatest interview advice I've ever heard. Stuart, no one's ever taken the time to walk me through that. And then they apply it, and I get to see this manifest itself in in jobs you know Stuart I I read the book I got the job Stuart I talked to you I got the job Stuart Mm -hmm. I practiced what you said exactly what you said happened on the interview and then it's just it's just contagious and so it's exciting for me to see the difference that all this is making in people's lives it's just it's it's wonderful it's truly wonderful well (laughs) I share I share the same sentiment and I'm just uh, like I said I thank you so much for your time and sharing some insights with us and I certainly hope our listeners will reach out to you go to your website definitely get the book Um, but of course if they want a little extra guidance uh, and need some help that to know that your heart is open and your willingness to um, to to work with them one-on-one because not every 
everybody, you know, offers that service. And people like you and I are um, there, you know, we're out there, but having the opportunity to connect with us, I think, you know, like you say, it's a beautiful gift for us, but, you know, making sure that the folks that we touch, um, you know, really have a, uh, a new, you know, a new belief in themselves and an excitement just really warms my heart as well. So, Stuart, I just can't thank you enough. And if there's anything that, uh, you know, anything else you want to share with us, we'd love to have you back sometime. I, I so much appreciate it, Dallas. Thank you so much for having me on. This was terrific. Well, everybody, it's uh, that time again. Time to say goodbye for this week's show. As you know, we have previous shows on our website, which is DallasTeague.com, under Purpose Without Limits. So be sure to go there and to listen to other amazing shows to inspire and encourage you. We also have a weekly blog at JesusKnocking.com, which is right there on the website. You can find that there. Sign up, and we'll be sure to send you a nugget of inspiration every week. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, grace and peace to you.